What's up, KSAP? James Ford, that's me. Let me talk to him. Let's get it. I'm sick of ball dropping. Sick of ball dropping. Chopping up these topics, man. I'm sick of ball dropping. Driving coast to coast, making moves ain't stopping. Driving coast to coast, making moves ain't stopping. Hey, let me put you on game. These other podcasts, I hear talking they shit, but ain't repping the same. It's my bro KSAP, chopping up topics for your optics. From politics to your top picks. Tune in, you gotta watch this. Exclusive material for your radio. Stop what you doing and listen, we smashing all competition, you better jump on this wave, somebody pass me a mic, man I got something to say, And now, your host of the Simply Ball Dropping Podcast, the man behind the mic, KSAC. is good everybody what is good welcome to another episode of the simply ball dropping podcast i'm your host and the man behind the mic k sap and today on today's podcast of the simply ball dropping podcast we're going to be talking nfl football football is approaching us right now and what better way to get off into nfl football and today joining me Via the Simply Ball Dropping Hotline, we have Brian from the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. Please welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm new to the podcasting world. I just started just under three months ago. My day job, I'm a special education teacher and high school football coach. So I'm really passionate about sports and what they can do for a young person, help them grow and mature, and really was looking for a way to share that as much as I could with people. So, you know, I've got an Instagram page. You can find me there, Twitter, and my podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, as well as YouTube. Man, that's a great story, Brian, man. And I do appreciate you taking the time to join me today on the Simply Ball Dropping Podcast to drop some of your wisdom and some of your knowledge about sports. And man, as I do my research, man, um, I see that you attended college, man. You was um, Appalachian State University and you do a little football coaching. Um, How long have you been um, coaching football? So I've been coaching football for close to seven years. I started right away once I graduated high school. Just like you said, I attended Appalachian State and I coached football at the local middle school. And I've kept it going since then. I've coached baseball as well. And I love all things sports. I love um, getting to work with young people, help them grow and competition. Competition fires me up all the time. So I'm always looking for that even outside of coaching, whether it be ping pong or anything else i'm i'm always ready to go so you're a competitor i can see yes sir yeah that, that's great man and and you know along them lines you're a sports junkie i see and you know attending college being a high school football coach um me myself i, I coach middle school football um i'm a sports junkie you know basketball baseball you know tennis ping pong boxing MMA, you name it, 
I'm with it. And, you know, since we're talking about, you know, football, as you being a coach and the football season is, is upon us, hoping everything goes well because of the pandemic has slowed a lot of things down. But we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL quarterback. And it's kind of interesting, man, the take that they did in Carolina by, you know, parting ways with with Cam Newton. Um, I don't think that, you know, Carolina really did their due diligence on really doing the research on Cam and keeping him around because, you know, they signed Teddy Bridgewater, brought him in thinking he's going to be the savior. But I just think when Riverboat Ryan left the organization, I think Cam Newton was doomed from there due to the injuries and everything. But I, I still think Cam got it. You know, he just signed a nice um, little one-year deal with um, with the New England Patriots. He said the deal wasn't about money. It was about respect. And he wants to get back to where he was. Because if you remember, man, Cam Newton in 2015, he was the NFL MVP. You know, he led the Carolina Panthers to a 15-1 and record. He made a Super Bowl appearance. And the thing about that season, man, he completed 59.8% of his passes you know, threw for over 3,837 yards. He had 35 touchdowns, just 10 interceptions. And then a lot of what a lot of sports writers look at and the, the media outlets, they look at that passer rating. He had a 99.4 passer rating. And also he rushed, you know, for 10 touchdowns on 636 yards. So my question to you, Brian, do you think Cam Newton still got, still has it? Does he have something to prove? Let me know. Uh, this is this is definitely Cam Newton's revenge tour. You know, he's really been feeling a lot of love ever since his time at Auburn. And then coming to the Panthers, it had a bit of a college town feel to it. I know me being here in North Carolina, Cam Newton is more than just an NFL quarterback. He's a celebrity. So I think he's felt really disrespected the way that the Panthers let him go, releasing him and not only releasing him, but the timing that they did that in the offseason really limited the opportunities that he had to find another starting job. And I think him taking that one-year deal with the Patriots is all about proving to everybody that he still has it. And if he's healthy, they're going to be a contender, not only for the AFC East division, but I think they could challenge the Chiefs if we see that 2015 version of Cam Newton. Yeah, and that's a great assessment, and I, I'm glad that you brought that point up about a revenge season. And my thing is, when they released him, what what took teams and NFL owners so long to even think about signing Cam Newton? Um, you know, the pandemic slowed a lot of things down, but in this take, you know, Bill Belichick doing his homework, and I've talked about on previous podcasts with the Patriots, it's, it's systematic. It's schematic. So if Cam Newton can come in and pick that playbook up, Bill Belichick will put him in a position to win and, like you said, compete out there in that AFC East with the Chiefs. And the thing about it is if you look at prior guys that's coming into the Patriots organization, take, for instance, Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco. They brought him in as a receiver years back but he couldn't pick up the offense. He couldn't pick up the playbook because of their system that they ran. And he wasn't familiar with that. They let him go. So if Cam can come in, you know, pick up that system, he might be their day one starter. And the thing about it is he's looking for revenge. Like he said, because the the contract with the Patriots wasn't about the money. It's about respect. 
So do you think that Carolina gave up on um, Cam Newton too soon? You know, I do. I think having a new owner come in always brings an extra sense of urgency. And when Cam Newton's had his season cut short by injury back-to-back seasons, and the owner comes from the group that owned the Steelers. He was a part of that group. And so he's used to winning and wanted to do that right away. I think he pulled the plug a little too early, and especially on Ron Rivera, I think he's a pretty good coach. I like bringing in Matt Rule. Um, I'm not quite sure about the Teddy Bridgewater move to me, (laughs) just based on talent. That's a big step down from Cam Newton, and I think they might find that out the hard way. Um, And they're definitely going to need to have some patience over the next couple years to get back to the winning ways. But I think they pulled the plug too early. And you're exactly right. This pandemic has really altered, at a minimum, the offseason. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these teams prepare for the upcoming season, and particularly teams that are bringing in new quarterbacks. I think the Patriots are going to simplify things as much as possible. I think something to look for schematically is go back, look at Josh McDaniel's time with the Broncos. Once he got a head coaching opportunity, he immediately picked Tim Tebow in the first round. Yes. Which I think most people think is a stretch and that's proved out. But I think we see where he wanted to go. Once he had full control, he wanted a big athletic quarterback that can run between the tackles as well. And if Cam Newton's healthy, he's really like the perfect version of that. So I think you're going to see some elements from that option, from that offense, as well as some elements from that Carolina Panthers offense that Cam had so much success in. And I think they're going to ask him to run the ball quite a bit, as well as dump it off to the running backs. Uh, That's a great assessment. And and I'm going to piggyback off of some of the things that you said about running between the tackles when Josh Daniels became a head coach and he, you know, he got Tim Tebow and, you know, Tim Tebow coming out of college in Florida, you know, he did them, you know, exact same things, you know, not that strong of a passer, but his run game, he, he had options back there as a quarterback. So you get down there in the red zone, you know, first and goal from the five or six yard line, you know, Tim Tebow was going to try to push it in the same with Cam when he broke on the scene in Carolina, you know, you get down there on the goal line, you know, and the thing about it is, you know, Williams would always tote the ball all the way down and then they get to the three or four yard line, Cam Newton between the tackles or he'll dive over and do the Superman pose. So, you know, now being schematically out there in New England, it's going to bode the same way because you get down on that in that red zone. Now you have another option from your quarterback that's big and strong that can force it in. But the thing I've always told people about Cam Newton is Cam Newton has to protect himself more because when he gets them long runs, he don't like to slide. He likes to take the hits. He don't like to go out of bounds. He needs to get down, you know, coming off this shoulder surgery and, you know, healing. And when he gets down in that red zone and and they ask him to run the ball, Cam got to be smart about that. But I totally agree with what you said about, you know, um, with um, Cam being there, having options running that ball. If he can run between the tackles, then it's going to be interesting what the Patriots can do. Like you said, schematically, they're not going to ask him to do too much, just going to rely on some of the things that he did in Carolina. So that's a great point that you made there. But the thing about it is when Cam broke on broke on the scene in 2011, you know, Cam was always a stellar quarterback. Cam really never had 
that many weapons to work with. He utilized what he could, you know, utilize with what he had. But Cam did some great things, and I just think Carolina, you know, they gave up on him too soon. And like you said about Teddy Bridgewater coming in, Teddy Two Gloves, I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. I know what Teddy was able to do in Minnesota, but the offense was simplified. And then after he blew his knee out, went down there in the New Orleans when he got his little comeback, he did well when Drew Brees was out, which got, you know, teams to look at him and see if he was, you know, a viable threat you know, to be an NFL quarterback in his comeback. So Carolina's taking a chance on him. And um, it's going to be interesting to, to see what Carolina's going to do with Teddy Bridgewater. But like you said, I'm very interested in seeing what Cam Newton is going to be do out there in New England. So that's, that's great points. And, you know, as being a head football coach and a quarterback, what are some of the attributes that you look at to know that this is going to be the guy? To me, the quarterback position, if you've heard Lewis Riddick talk about it, he, he explains it as trucks and trailers. <laughs> and just the two guys that we're mentioning right now, Teddy Two Gloves is the perfect example of a trailer to me. He was able to have success with the Saints and with the Vikings when everything around him was setting him up for success. I don't believe that he can elevate the play of those around him. Kim Newton definitely can. The caveat I'll throw with Cam Newton is he's inconsistent. And that's probably the number one word that I would use to describe Cam Newton is inconsistent. We've seen incredible highs, but we've also seen lows and mostly due to injuries. But just like you said, he's got to do a better job himself of taking care of himself, avoiding hits. So to me, what I value in a quarterback first starts up top. They've got to be the leader somebody that everybody can look to and somebody that is reliable both on the field and off. And then to me, it also starts with specifically to the play with their arm. You've got to be able to succeed throwing the ball. The game is modernized so much that I won't limit that to just in the pocket on the move is good as well. You see Russell Wilson do that a lot. Kyler Murray, Murray do that a lot. And, I have no problem with extending plays. Russell Wilson's probably my favorite quarterback, as well as Patrick Mahomes. And they are great that even when the pocket breaks down, they're able to keep their eyes downfield, complete a pass, and also, importantly, avoid a hit. And I think that's that one specific area that Cam Newton needs to improve in. I think Cam Newton has a lot of what it takes to be a great quarterback that last step. So if you've got the talent, you've got the mental makeup, which I believe he has, the third piece is consistency. And that really is going to get the buy-in, not only of your teammates, but the coach, the fan base, and especially up there in new England, that's going to be something that he has to earn. Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels trust. He has their respect. They respect the talent, but He's got to get them to trust him and believe in him to ad-lib when appropriate and stay on course when that's appropriate as well. Man, that's a great take, man. And you said some key things, man, that a lot of people would probably have to, to listen to very closely because if they don't listen to it, it might just go over their head. You stated in your sequility whatever the word is I'm trying to use, but (laughs) you stated that the fact that don't take too many hits, 
And it was key because you see Russell Wilson, he does it the best. And I think that's the baseball that's in him. Also, Colin Murray, he knows how to slide. Russell Wilson knows how to slide. And the thing about Same it with is, Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Sorry to cut you off of Patrick Mahomes, another baseball guy. Yes, and see, these guys know how to get down. And that's going to – if you go back and look in the days – of the um, Marvin Harrison, the wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. If you go back and look at what Marvin Harrison used to say, he said, I can take the route across the middle and catch the ball. But if I see a defender coming, why am I going to take the hit? Why not get down if I can't get no more yardage? Why am when I catch a ball and I'm running to the outside, if I can't get no more yardage, why not just run out of bounds? That's smart. And see, that's what Cam Newton has to take heed to. And there's a lot of interesting things that you said, and I'm glad that you pointed that out. And, you know, my take on Cam is, like I said, I hope he has this bounce back season and he proves the critics wrong and proves the Carolina organization wrong. But like I said, your takes was great. And we're going to move on into another quarterback that's been making headlines here lately about his contract dispute here in Dallas, um, Dak Prescott. Now, on them lines, what the Cowboys are doing with Dak Prescott, you know, he signed the tenure of the franchise tag. What are your takes on Dak? And is Dak a proven quarterback? I mean, does he deserve the money that he's asking for? I know Patrick Mahomes has set the bar for everybody as a quarterback. But at the same time, is Dak Prescott the guy that the Dallas Cowboys think that can take him to the promised land? He is. I really do think that. Now, again, he's not. Um, to me, he doesn't fit perfectly within the two categories of truck or trailer. He's, you know, maybe just not quite that full-size truck. He has talent, and he has done some great things from the pocket as well as running the football. But they've also had him set up for so much success with just the offensive line play, having Zeke in the backfield. They add C.D. Lamb to Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. So he has all the pieces around him, and sometimes that can make it tough to judge is the quarterback really pulling the team or is the team pulling him. I think he has the ability to get into that top 10 of the quarterback ranks in the NFL. I don't know quite about top five, but I do think he is worth the contract, not only of the franchise tag, but I believe it was reported he wanted four years for roughly $150 million, and I definitely think that becomes even more abundantly clear after you see the Patrick Mahomes contract yes. that the Cowboys probably should have caved and paid him that because now he's either going to be able to justifiably ask for that massive contract, probably just one step below Patrick Mahomes, or the amount per year will just start shooting up astronomically if they keep it to a short-term deal. I definitely think this year there's going to be so much riding on Dak's shoulders. And I hope he responds in a positive way because there will be a lot of pressure. And a lot of times when quarterbacks feel that pressure to make too many plays because they're still trying to prove everybody wrong, you can see them force the ball into tight coverage and get into some trouble. Um, But I think the Cowboys will have a successful year. Dak took a step forward. Last year, in a lot of ways, he got 30 touchdown passes, and he's shown to be durable. And that matters so much. The common phrase is the best ability is durability, and he's proven that. So I definitely think Dak is somebody that the Cowboys should want to hold on to 
moving forward. Okay, that's a great assessment as well. And, you know, my take on that is I always look at certain people and certain players and I call them, you have your practice players and your game day players. That that toes a fine line for me here. And the reason why I say that is when Dak broke on the scene in 2016, you know, the Cowboys picked him up in the fourth round. Nobody had the tape on Dak. Nobody really knew what this guy was capable of. Tony Romo was the starter. Tony Romo goes down. They're back up. He fractures his leg in, in practice. So Dak was forced into a situation where no NFL owners or no GMs really studied the tape on Dak. So when he broke on the scene in 2016 for the Cowboys, he had a stellar year. You know, he completed over 67% of his passes. He threw for over 3,500 yards. He had 23 touchdowns, but the, the great stat was he only had four interceptions and he had a passer rating of 104.9. So when you look at it like that, nobody really had the tape on Dak. So the second year coming in in 2017, you know, his completion percentages was down. His yardages was down. The touchdowns was down and interceptions went up and the passer rating dropped down to around about 86.6. So teams had the tape on him. So the reason why I say you have practice players and game day players, as great as Dak is from your assessment, it doesn't translate into playoff wins. Now, when you're talking about the offense that the Cowboys have with Zeke, they have all the playmakers and the skilled players on their roster. But why come, as a quarterback, your leader, it don't translate into playoff wins. And you playing in a weakened division where, yeah, you might win the division, but you get into the playoffs and you can't advance. Why do you think that's the case with Dak Prescott? Yeah, that's a great point, and that's definitely the knock on Dak is you look at his last year I brought up, he threw for 30 touchdown passes. 14 of those touchdowns came against the Giants and the Redskins. And then his other 12 games were 16 touchdowns and nine interceptions. So against the Giants and the Redskins, he looks great. And then against everybody else, he looks pretty average. And I think one of the tough things with Dak Prescott in the playoffs is that teams sell out against the run. And if you can stop the Cowboys run game, just like the Eagles did, which was basically a playoff game last year, they met week 16 The winner was going to the playoffs, and Dak threw for zero touchdowns and only 56% of his passes were completed. And I think that's a byproduct of his lack of inaccuracy down the field, and that's the main hole I would put in his game. He he really lacks accuracy. I know he overthrew Michael Gallup, it seemed like, time after time last year. And then when teams have a – contained when they're able to contain through the pass rush with the Eagles are able to do they've got a great pass rush with Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and he can't escape and use his legs he becomes a limited passer and that's just like you brought up in being a practice player a game player the reason he went in the fourth round is because he does lack that elite arm talent 
that we see out of a Cam Newton or a Kyler Murray or a Russell Wilson, even though Russell Wilson slipped too. He is just a missing just a little bit. And I think, especially when you got to move him outdoors, he's struggled in the past. Great. And and, and you made some key points. And I I just want to go back to what you said about Russell Wilson. Yeah, he slipped. But Russell Wilson is a proven winner. He's a Super Bowl champion. Dak doesn't have that in his resume yet. And he's been on a Cowboy roster that every year the beat writers and the sports columnists, they always say this is the Cowboys year. Their fans say this is the Cowboys year. But they never it never transpires into, you know, making a deep playoff run, even putting themselves in position to even try to get to the Super Bowl. It's one and done. It's not even making the playoffs. And it's another thing that you said that's key. When you get into the playoffs, it's just like basketball. It slows down. Playoff, it slows down. When you when you key and honed on stopping something and trying to make that quarterback beat you at something they can't, they can't do it. When you sitting back in coverage and you asking Dak to throw the ball, He's not making the right read sometimes. And then you got Ezekiel Elliott coming out of the backfield. When you're putting eight men up in the box to stop the run and you're asking your quarterback, man, you got to throw the ball to beat him and you can't do it. And that's the same thing I said about Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo was great for what the 49ers brought him in to do. He managed, he kept the you know chains moving, got to the Super Bowl. But I think the game that, they played against Minnesota. I think Minnesota exposed some of Jimmy Garoppolo's inconsistencies as a quarterback. You put a pass rush on him, he gets happy feet. He don't get his feet set to throw the ball to their receiver to put it in a place where they can catch it. And you go back and look at the prime example when they got in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, Raheem Moster was killing Kansas City. So when they started, you know, containing that they was asking Jimmy Grott well he got to throw the ball you go to the play where he could have had the game winning touchdown to Emmanuel Sanders a little bit of pressure his feet got happy and he just threw the ball up there without even honing in on his target and he overshot Emmanuel Sanders so that's key that you said that about getting into the playoffs asking a quarterback to do something that they're not capable of doing and that's why I say you got practice players And you got game day players. And with all the talent that the Cowboys have surrounded around Dak, and it don't equivalent to getting playoff wins, it just, it it bothers me. Like, these guys are talented, but what have they done for me in the playoffs? And you have the likes of a Russell Wilson, like you said, he slipped. But what is Russell Wilson? He's a Super Bowl champion. Dak doesn't have that on his resume. So when I say that to say this, I understand what you're saying about Dak. You know, he deserves the money. Rightfully so, everybody deserves their money because they're putting their life on the line. You know, going out there playing a brutal sport, financial secure for their family and taking care of them. So when I say this to say that is because I want to see Dak win in the playoffs when all the chips are on the line. But like you said, it's key. When you're used to playing inside the Playboy Mansion of Jerry's world, where Jerry never opens up the roof to feel some of that weather coming in, and then when you got to go on the road and you're playing outside in these mushy conditions, you can't get it done. So 
it's great points that you made on that. So I'm going to ask you this question. So this year, if football takes off the way it's going to take, what do you see Dak doing and moving the Cowboys forward? I think you'll see the Cowboys get to about 10 wins. If I had to make a bet, I would still bet on the Eagles, I believe, in Carson Wentz more so than Dak to carry them to a division title. But I think the Cowboys will be in position to make a playoff run. I think Dak, his stats will be better this year. I think you're going to see closer to 35 touchdown passes. But just like you said, it's all going to come down to playoffs. And winning in the playoffs, to me, all comes down to your quarterback's ability to elevate the play of those around them. And then secondly, having an off-speed pitch. So when when the defense takes away your fastball, you've got to have something else that you can go to. And we've seen as great as Lamar Jackson is and as talented as he is, we've seen him struggle in the playoffs because of that. They took away the fastball. Yes. And so far we've seen that for Dak as well. I believe in him as the leader and the work ethic that he has. I do believe that he'll continue to grow his game. And I think also playoffs, it's all about matchup. So it's really going to depend on the matchup that they can get. But You know, if Zeke has his head on straight and everything, just like you said, they've been underachieving. So there's going to be no excuses this year for Dak if the Cowboys don't only make the playoffs, but at least get to that NFC championship game. It's funny that you said that because, you know, I I live here in the, the Texas area surrounded by a lot of Cowboy fans. And like I stated, and you heard me say, I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan, so I I do pick fun at these cowboy people and, and, you know, I give them the blues here and there, but it is interesting that you said that. So if the Cowboys do not make the playoffs this year and Dak has forced to play under that franchise tag, now does that money come in question? Definitely. I think if they were to, let's say go eight and eight and miss the playoffs, then at best, he's going to get franchised again. And I think we can see a similar situation to your Minnesota Viking, Kirk Cousins. Yes. I think if it really is lining up to look very much like that, yeah. where Kirk Cousins, at least in my opinion, seems to beat up on the bad teams. And then when it comes down to crunch time, quality teams, and particularly the playoffs, he seems to shrink. Right now, that's what Dak has done. So he right now it's really looking like Dak is the next Kirk Cousins. I hope not, but it's looking like it. <laughs> it's it's funny that you said that, and you know I'm chuckling while you while you was uttering them words, man, because I can see exactly where you're coming from. And you know Kirk Cousins was forced to play under that franchise tag for so many years before Minnesota quote unquote gave him the big contract. So. You know, that's my quarterback. I got to stick with my quarterback, man. He, he He's on my team, so I root for him. But, you know, I, I don't believe in Kirk Cousins. And, you know, that's for another show. But, I mean, it's interesting that you said that. And since we're, you know, we're talking about the Cowboys here in Dallas, Texas, we're going to stay right in the Dallas, Texas area with a homegrown guy that was born and raised here in Dallas that played at Highland Park, um, Matthew Stafford. Uh, Matthew Stafford been getting a lot of, you know, 
heap and praise. You know, it could go positive, negative. You know, Matthew Stafford, he puts up a lot of great stats, but the Lions are not doing too much winning. Um, is that all on Matthew Stafford? Because, you know, coming out of the University of Georgia, Matthew Stafford was a gunslinger. And you saw how he used to sling the ball when Calvin Johnson was there. You know, in 2011, he had one of his best years, threw over 5,000 5, yards, 41 TDs. But, you know, Matthew Stafford, his interception rates was always up there, high interceptions. So with all the great stats that Matthew Stafford has and he owns, do you think Matthew Stafford is that guy for the Lions or is it something else, the injuries, you know, bothering him? What is it? Let me know. To me, first and foremost, it starts with the franchise and you start the top down. The Detroit Lions are arguably the most historically dysfunctional franchise in the NFL. And I think that has a lot to do with it with these quarterbacks that enter the NFL for, I'd say, close to 90 percent of them. It really matters what franchise they go to will determine the amount of success that they have. And he's a talented guy. I kind of see him in the same vein as a Jameis Winston, a guy, just like he said, a gunslinger that is going to rack up yards and touchdowns. I question his ability to win, although he does have 34 game-winning drives. But I take that with a bit of a grain of salt because part of a game-winning drive is and comeback wins is that you're losing all the time. And he's had plenty of opportunities to come back and have a game-winning drive. Um, But, you know, I really believe the Lions have done him a disservice by firing Jim Caldwell. I think they really got things going in the right direction under Jim Caldwell. They had a couple, um, three out of his four seasons were all winning seasons. They made the playoffs, and Stafford's record under Jim Caldwell was 36-28. and Without Jim Caldwell, it's 33 and 51. So to me, that head coach position matters so much. And the Lions have really let Stafford down in that way. Now, again, I think it's important to note that in that way, Stafford does slide more towards that trailer category because we've seen the top elite quarterbacks, such as an Andrew Luck be able to take a dysfunctional franchise, a depleted roster, and elevate them consistently, even with questionable coaching and questionable front office moves, and still get them to the playoffs consistently. So to me, Stafford is one of the hardest quarterbacks to judge. I think he's got immense talent, and if you played his career 10 times, we're probably seeing one of the worst versions so it's tough. I, I would like to see him, you know, on another team. But, you know, to be optimistic, he is just going to be 32 this upcoming season. And now in the modern day NFL, all these, all these quarterbacks have got their eyes set on getting to 40. Yeah. So we really might just be at the halfway point for Matt Stafford and really Cam Newton as well. So a lot of their story is unwritten and hopefully the best is yet to come. Man, and that's great, man. It's great that you said that. And a lot of things that I pay close attention to when you were saying is about Matthew Stafford, the Lions doing him a disservice. 
a lot of people got on me when I said Lions are going to be doomed when they fire Jim Caldwell. Because if you look at it, like you said, it starts from the top. And when Jim Caldwell came in there, Matthew Stafford and the Lions record was respectable, right? So when they fire him and, you know, they bring in the coach, now they got Matt Patricia, his his um, wins are on the decline. His stats are still looking good, but the wins are on the decline. And that goes back to my point about you got you got your practice guys and you got your game day guys. Why don't it translate into wins? The stats look good, but why come you can't get wins out of it? And you made a great point of when they let Jim Caldwell go, everything started to climb. And then all of a sudden, you know, certain injuries that Matthew Staff- Stafford um, got. And then they shut him down. And I don't know if they shut him down for precautionary reasons or the the injury was serious. But it just looks like that Matthew Stafford, he takes a lot of hits. The O-line is not protecting him. You know, and like you said, trying to make it to 40 years old, playing as a quarterback because Tom Brady has set that bar. 40 don't mean nothing as a quarterback. You can still be a Super Bowl champion. So it's interesting that you made some key points about the Lions being dysfunctional. And like you said, it starts at the top. And if if you can't get your roster and your organization your, and your players to buy into what you're selling, then you're not going to move forward. And I think Jim Caldwell, when he was there, the players was buying into what he was bringing to the table. So then you let him go. Everything goes down on the decline. So do you think that Matthew Stafford, if, if healthy this year, do you think the Lions can least compete in that NFC North because, you know, they they have some weapons. And like you said, Matthew Stafford is a gunslinger. But to compete in the NFC North with the likes of the Vikings and the Packers and the Bears, do you think that the Lions can get out of the basement and move up and challenge the top two teams in the division from what I feel is the Green Bay and, and, and Minnesota has been like that for years do you think that Detroit can compete with them if Matthew Stafford is healthy? Yeah, that's definitely a, a key question. His health, the back injury is always a little scary. Um, but to be honest, no, I don't think they're going to be competing for a division title. I like some of the moves that they've made on offense. I like Kenny Galladay. Oh, yes. I like, you know, bringing in DeAndre Swift. And they already have carry on Johnson. So, They've really got some nice weapons there, but the defense was bad last year. I don't quite see how it's going to be better this year. They they ship out Darius uh, Slay, and they bring in Jeffrey Okuda, but I just, I'm not sure a rookie can come in and replace that same level of production, especially because they really needed another corner anyways. Yes. So I think they're going to be able to compete with the Chicago Bears for third <laughs> in the division. And I think, you know, if he's healthy, it's tough for me to see better than eight and eight, to be honest. I mean, you, you're very tough on some of these teams and, and giving these predictions of eight and eights, and I, and I love it. And, and you, you know, you, you're, speaking, you're, you're speaking honesty, man, and you're keeping it real. And, and like you said, coming from a football pedigree in your background, you know, you know what it takes, and you know what you see. You know the insights on how this stuff can get done, and it is you speak it well because of your breakdown and all your, 
you know, things that you're saying and letting people understand where you're coming from. And like I always tell people as podcasters, man, we give our honest opinion. We give our honest and raw feedback. We bounce off of each other. And, you know, you watch shows in the morning and stuff with the sports writers, Fox Sports One, Undisputed, First Take, where they give their honest opinion and, and raw and uncut, where you got guys going back and forth. And they get paid millions of dollars to do it. So as podcasters, man, for us to have the knowledge to sit here and bring it across the airways and let people listen to what we got to say. Like I said, we just we just the little peons, but we're trying to make a name for ourselves and move up in this world, you know, doing podcasting on our platform because we all have a voice in some of the things that you that you state, you know, when you're displaying them, they resonate. So a lot of people that's going to listen to this podcast I want y'all to understand that, you know, Brian, he's sharp, you know, he knows his football stuff. So one thing I like to do here on this podcast, I like to give my guests an opportunity to say a few things to the listeners and the people that's going to be gravitating to your podcast now because you're on my platform and they're listening to you. So they're going to want to go listen to you as well because you have the knowledge and the wisdom that you displayed here on the podcast for people to tune into your podcast. So for the new listeners and the people that are out there listening, what would you like to say to them to gravitate them to your podcast on why they should listen to you? They should come over, check out Bolstered Up Sports on Instagram, Twitter, podcasts available on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, and YouTube. To get their thirst for sports, I cover NFL, NBA. I've deep dived into the Duke-North Carolina basketball rivalry, done a golf podcast, as well as a GOAT discussion in the NBA. So I love to talk all sports. I've got an opportunity for all listeners to submit their questions to me. And I do a mailbag podcast. And, you know, I think I can bring an interesting perspective as somebody who's not only a fan, but is a coach. And I had a great opportunity to interview my father and my uncle for a Father's Day edition of the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. And we talked everything, you know, father-son relationship and how sports can help a young person grow from the eyes of a father. And those two episodes in particular were very special to me. And I think I provide knowledge but also a fresh perspective which i think is key in the podcasting world and there you have it you heard it here first from boasted up sports podcast the host brian he's letting you guys know and like i've always said coming from the words of the man behind the mic of the simply ball dropping podcast ksap tell a friend to tell a friend and that's how we're going to move these podcasts. It's always interesting that people have a different perspective on their podcasts. And, you know, when you're doing sports podcasts, everybody that does a sports podcast, everybody has their different views. Everybody has their different opinions. And you just touched on it. You've done a GOAT conversation in the NBA, which will be interesting to dive into if we can you know, run this back and do another podcast and talk about that because I would be interested on what you have to say in your GOAT conversation in the NBA because everybody has their opinions. And, you know, the reports just came out 
yesterday that when Kenny Smith was talking about LeBron James, he just cracked his top 10 best NBA player of all time. So everybody has their different views and different points on different players on what they bring to the game and where they rank among the best. And before we get out of here, I just want to give Brian another opportunity to say something to the listeners or anything that he would like to, you know, bring to their attention before we wrap it up. So have at it, Brian. Yeah, just again, please check out Bolstered Up Sports on Instagram, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and Podbean. I'm going to be coming out with more YouTube videos, um, some shortened segments of me just hitting on some hot topics but i would encourage you to check out any of my episodes if you're a sports lover at all i've got it covered baseball basketball football and golf definitely check out the goat conversation that got a little bit heated and i had to push back on some of my friends that you know are we're in our mid-20s so they are big into the the current players and i had to push back they call me the old man. I'm a big fan of Magic Johnson and Kareem. Yes. And um, even have I have a complete series of podcasts breaking down the ESPN documentary, The Last Dance. So if you didn't get a chance to catch that, or if you're wanting just a little bit of supplemental knowledge to what you know about Michael Jordan in that documentary, Bolstered Up Sports is a great way to find it out. Um, and then lastly, on Instagram, one of the things I enjoy doing the most is my Instagram polls. It's a great way for you to let me know what you think. And I do that, again, all sports. Recently, it was an Instagram poll series on Cam Newton comparing him to Dak Prescott and Matthew Stafford. Okay, great, man. And, Brian, I do want to appreciate your time for joining the man behind the mic, KSAP, on the Simply Ball Dropping Podcast today. And once again, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Simply Ball Dropping Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, KSAP, and we'll catch you on the next one. Deuces. Thanks for listening to the Simply Ball Dropping Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share on all major platforms.